We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. right let's go to the mailbag mr roberts and we've got some good questions to get started off with and uh we're gonna start off here with tb12 for heisman tb12's question is stylistically is there an offense general scheme you think jared parker's offense will resemble hopefully a sark led offense no it won't look like that i mean it's gonna look it's gonna look a lot more like last year's offense with rpos than it's gonna look like sark's offense i mean you know, Marcus Freeman has said he wants a pro-style offense. Yeah. A pro-style offense is going to be one that mix up its personnel groupings. It's going to be one that, um, you know, will have some similarities to what Sark does because he's a pro-style coach as well, formationally. And there'll be some concepts that they'll use. I think you'll see some RPO concepts are going to look similar to what Texas does and what Sark did at Alabama. But overall, it's still going to look a lot like last year's offense in, in a lot of ways. It's just going to be utilized differently for two reasons. Number one is I don't care how good the coach was before, how bad the coach was before. It doesn't matter. when you Even if you give the same exact playbook to a new coach, it's going to look different because he's going to like things that the other coach didn't. Uh, he's going to have concepts that he believes in that maybe the other coach liked but not as much. The other coach believed in certain things strongly. This coach may not. That always happens no matter no matter what, Ryan. And then the other part of it, too, is the personnel is going to be different this year. Yep. You know, Jared Parker is going to have a much deeper receiving core to work with this year than what Tommy Reese had last year. And, and so that's going to factor into it as well. But it, I don't know if I – I mean, I will say this, Ryan. If you're looking for a non-Notre Dame program to say it might look closer to, I think Texas is a pretty decent one, or Sark is a, is a pretty decent one because he's also – a a pro style coach that runs a lot of 11 personnel. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's, I think that'd be a fair one. I just don't, I, I don't want to say it's going to look like a Sark led offense. Cause it's, it's, I mean, it, it, there's going to be a lot of differences, but if I had to pick a college team that it would most resemble and you forced me to do that, uh, schematically formationally, things like that. I, I think that's a pretty, probably about as close as you're going to find in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's it's never going to resemble exactly another one. I mean, the keys there I think you hit on that I would reiterate is that 
You're going to see a lot of 11 personnel, which is one running back and one tight end. You're going to see a quarter quarterback under center. You're going to see him in gun. You're going to kind of see a mix of that. But more than anything, I think the big thing for me is that diversity is something that we've talked about a lot. And that's really something that I think we need to see more of, right? Like I want to see a bunch of different formations, but I want them to have a general understanding of like, this is what we do well. We're just going to do it out of a bunch of different looks and that consistency. So you'll understand generally what Jared Parker likes early on in the season, I believe. But for me, you know, just the pro style approach, you know, under center gun, 11 personnel, some 12 mixed in, you're going to see that to a, a large degree. And then the RPO implications. Right. And I think making things easy, because that's what RPOs are supposed to be. I feel like we lose sight of that sometimes. It's like, RPOs are supposed to make things easy for quarterbacks. You know, it just becomes a counting game at this point. Like, oh, there's six guys in the box. This is what I'm going to do. I'm either going to give it or I'm not going to give it, that type of situation. So I think the RPO implications, obviously, to the pro style is a big thing to keep an eye on as far as like the more implementation, I guess, is what we're looking for. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. That's a, that's a really good way of putting that, Ryan. Very well said. Let's go to the next one. Here's a conversation that we kind of we're having it's not so much a question as much as it is a uh, a discussion and we'll talk more about this tomorrow show but the okay. fpi came out tonight now uh, or today on espn i'll have an article about it later 
They had Notre Dame ninth and I believe Ohio State first. So I'm going to read this question and then we have a follow-up from TB12 for Heisman to this question, right? Or to this okay. comment. Because I do want to address I do want to address it a little bit, but we'll dive into it a little bit more tomorrow. Sure. Well, Archer452 says, while it assuredly won't last, it is nice to have the number one recruiting class as well as being ranked number one in the FPI. Not bad for a program that had their rival uh, that their rival will have you believe is dead and buried. And there's a little wink face at the end there. Yeah, because sure. <laughs> uh, M- Michigan fans are on this thing now where Ohio State's just garbage. And this is the yeah. follow-up from TB12 for Heisman. TB12 this is the one says, I wanted to respond to more so. Gotcha. And he says, or they say, excuse me, how in the world is Georgia not number one in the FPI? Look, so here, here's here's my thing, Ryan. Uh, the FPI is a is the football power index. This is different. Some people were thinking this is the the SP plus from Bill Connolly. That's not what the FPI is. The FPI is different from the SP plus. They're two different models. So this is this is their power index. I'm a believer, Ryan. For me, that you're the champ until somebody beats you, and sure. Georgia's back to back champs, and so. The odds of them winning three in a row are slim, but they're still the champs. And until somebody actually beats them, to me, they're number one. But I'm comfortable with them not being ranked number one if you don't hold the same view that I do. Because sometimes, Ryan, it's not the first year you have a lot of losses that hurt you. It's the second year where you have them in back-to-back years. That proves costly. And I think we saw that a little bit with Clemson where you didn't really see the drop-off from Clemson after 2019 and 2020 as much, but you started to see a little bit of a glimpse of they're not that same team. But then it was the next year they lost again the next year, and then 2021, you started to see it really sink in. And it was when they lost that quarterback that had had done so much for them. And so to me, that that is where Georgia has to be careful that they're not entering that. Now, I don't don't think they're going to, but the the point is is that – that that is something where there are at least enough question marks, and then you look at some of the some of the things where they they've lost some players to the portal that I don't know if they were necessarily expecting uh, those guys to lose things like that. That you could say you know that part is concerning, but for me, um, I, I just I'm a I'm a they're number one till somebody beats them kind of guy they they really are and and you say well what if they go undefeated but they're not as good if they go undefeated then they're pretty flipping good you know what i mean like i know their schedule's not brutal but they have enough good games in there where you're like yeah okay they're defending champs they still they still need to 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 believe in that you know to to be there so you know i that's kind of where i'm at on that one ryan but i i could see an argument for not having georgia or uh georgia number one my issue is more of having ohio state number one yeah. That I don't quite get. I mean, and, and the hype machine is kind of coming. It's like there's two different stories being told about Ohio State, and we'll dive into this more tomorrow and in the in the offseason because we're going to do a series. We're going to bring on somebody from other teams and have them talk about their name opponents, and we're going to start doing stuff on CFP Nation. We're going to actually come up with our IB Top 25 and then just do a, a show at night where we kind of preview that team. But Ohio State's got the, the, the two dichotomies. One is, oh, they're going to be number one. They're number one on the FBI, you know, they're, they're not going to miss a beat. Look at the receivers they have coming back, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then the other side is, oh, you know, they're, they're taking a step back. I have a buddy that's this way. They're taking a step back. They're not going to be as good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. C.J. Stroud masked a lot of things. I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, I, I don't think they allowed C.J. Stroud to mask certain things, to be completely honest with you, the way that the offense was run last year. Uh, if you want to put somebody ahead of, ahead of 
Georgia, I mean, we can make an argument for it. I just don't know if Ohio State is who I would put there. I mean, their defense got better, but it still has a lot to prove. Yes, they have elite receivers, but Ohio State always has elite receivers. That's that's no different. Their offensive line is a big question mark for me. They're replacing and three they're, of three of five offensive yes, linemen. And they two have offensive not, tackles and a center. I mean, and they're not loving from what I re- read. They're not loving where they are right now. They certainly didn't look good in the spring game, in my opinion. Again, it's a spring game. But I just and then a new quarterback on top of that, yeah. ha- having to replay remake your offensive line and your quarterback position is not necessarily where I would want to be if I'm talking about a team that wants to be number one. It's a lot, and, and and I just I also have a hard time because this is a team that hasn't even won their conference the last two years, and you're going to put them at number one. I just I have an issue with that. I have yeah. an issue with that. That would be my only thing. But Ohio State's still a top five preseason team. They're, they're you know again. They, they've lost one game in the regular season the last two years to the same team. Yep. So the only team that's got – the only two teams that have a, a beef to say, hey, we should be ranked ahead of Ohio State based on on-field results is Georgia and Michigan. That's it. <laughs> I mean, that's it. So uh, – but it's going to be a fascinating look because I don't know if there is a clear number one based on – forget last year and, you know, you're the champs till somebody beat you, but just looking at the rosters now, there's not a team that I look at and say, oh, yeah, that 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 team – that team's going to do it this year. I think a lot of it is the quarterback positions driving that. I mean, it really is. I mean, we, we, we talked about this before, so like we don't have to go like in depth on like a similar conversation, but when's the last time Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state were all replacing their quarterback in the same off season, right? Like that's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not. And I mean, I would argue one is a lot more replaceable than the other. Talking about Stetson Bennett over like CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, for instance, right? But at the end of the day, replacing a quarterback is it's a question mark. It's an unknown until you see what the results are that come after it. So I mean, some of the top teams are going to be replacing that quarterback. And then yeah. I mean, even TCU is a team that just played a national championship game. I don't expect them to be nearly as good as they were last year. Like I just don't expect that. So it's it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. Three of the four playoff teams last year replacing their starting quarterbacks. Yep. I mean, that that's that's and, and then you throw in Bama is replacing their starting quarterback. Yep. And the other thing, too, is I'm I'm hesitant to do a, a, a top 25 right now, right? And you and I are probably going to wait till May closer to June to do it because uh, where who's who there's still a portal window opened up right now. There's gonna be more kids jumping in the portal, there's, and then where are some of these kids gonna go? I, you know, does Bama decide because Bama's not done with their spring yet after spring, do they decide, Hey, let's go get in the portal. Who's that going to be? Is there somebody that they're going to kind of go recruit to jump in the portal? Cause y'all know that's happening. Yeah. I have no idea. I have no, I mean, cause I, I'm sure Bear Alexander jumped in the portal and already had USC as his favorite just that day. No tampering, none whatsoever. You know, I say sarcastically. So yeah, very, there's very, be so much. It was movement. a very organic, very organic yeah, move. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, so there's just still so much going on right now, but I, I, I'm just in that that category of uh, look, and I don't care who it is. You're the champ until somebody beats you. That's just the reality of it, you, you know. And, and especially when you're back to back champs. I was gonna say, especially when you went too straight, yeah. right? Like you have, and that. they haven't yeah. lost a regular season game since 2021, uh, 2020, right? Because the only game they lost in 2021 was the SEC title game to Bama, and then last year they went undefeated. So you're talking about a team that's gone 29 and one the last two years. I'm sorry. There's no other preseason number one besides them at this point. And, in time. and, and, a, and a lot of their big games, they have 
dominated in most of them. I mean, they, yeah. you know, they struggled against Ohio State a little bit, but they killed TCU. Well, they dominated Tennessee in the yeah. regular season. I didn't think they played like, that well against Ohio State and still won. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but you're not going to blow everybody out every game. You're, exactly. you're not. And But they handled their business. But you are you are correct in a lot of the big games they had last year when you thought, this. hey, I'm, I'm going to say it, I predicted Tennessee to beat them last year. They beat the crap out of Tennessee physically. Yeah, they beat did. the crap out of Tennessee that game. So, uh, you know, I thought that I thought the TCU game was going to be a lot more competitive because I just thought TCU had enough speed to hurt their secondary. And honestly, if you break the game down, their receivers are getting open a decent amount. Their quarterback just couldn't get the ball out there because he didn't play well. He was done. He was. Yeah. By that time of season, Max Dugan was just he was he had no gas left in the tank. He had that, that, he that had, Kansas State game beat him up. He did. He just up. played so hard and put so much out there week after week after week. I just think he was just ran out of gas. Yeah. And and then of course Georgia just physically dominated TCU in the trenches, and that's really what it came down to. But yeah, yeah. The, the, to me they're they're number one until somebody beats them. They, they they just they just are. But for a power index, Ryan, that's not so much about that. That's more about looking at production loss and production returned and all that, all that calculative stuff. If somebody doesn't have Georgia number one, I'm not going to be too ticked about it. I just don't know if Ohio State would be the team that I would go with because of what they lost at the at the offensive line and quarterback position. Yeah, we'll see. And their offensive line wasn't great last year, even with those three guys. And those guys are all going to be day one and day two draft pick. Well, I don't know about Luke Whipler, but I, from what I've heard, I mean, I've seen people put he DeJuan might Jones. In the, he might go in the top 100, yeah. though. Whipler yeah. might. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, DeJuan Jones is going to be a day, day, day two, two pick. Day, yeah. yeah. So you're talking about three offensive line. They're going to be day one, day two picks. Jackson or uh, Paris Johnson is going to probably be a top 15 guy, most mm-hmm. likely 15, 20 guy, if not top 10. Right, some people I've seen have, view him as a top ten guy. Some, some lower. He's a first round guy for sure, and 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 that was with a line that wasn't necessarily great. And you're going to have to replace three of those guys. That's not going to be easy. And then if they're oh they're going to go to the portal, you're just going to go to the portal and just just get a cohesive offensive line in 25 practices. Okay, <laughs> sure. Okay, we'll see. Just the fries, we'll magic see. man, magic man. Right. So I just I just <laughs> want to wait to see what, how the portal shakes out before we start you know, doing preseason rankings, yes. you know, see what the rosters look like. That's, that's just, just like, you know, is it too much to ask to wait for everyone to actually, I don't know, finish the spring before we start doing rankings and stuff. And so, there's going to be a lot of kids entering the portal this year. Yeah. I feel. There's already been over a hundred already. I think wow, the second man. semester port or the second, the, the Mace portal is just stupid. I think it's totally stupid. I, I hate it because I think Mike Gundy, says a lot of weird stuff and but so, he says stuff I like and he made a point with his thing he's like this is bad because like we have no we don't have as much recourse to fill that roster now whereas in yeah. December kids jump on a portal you can you've got till February to go sign high school recruits and 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 get portal kids now it's like there's not gonna be as many kids in the portal this time as there is in December it's not even yep. close even though there's still gonna be a lot and so now it's like well I don't have the same recourse to go fill my to go fill my roster now it's just, it's not good. It's it's not a good situation. It, I really don't like it. You, really you also have to figure out, like, you know, when kids are eligible because they are still students, right? Like, they still have to get right. into school and be cleared and all that crazy. Right. It, it's it's very difficult, man. It's very difficult. Yeah. It's Roster management bad. on the college level is, it's something, man. It's something. It is. It's crazy now. It really is crazy now. All right, here we go. Let's move on there, Roy. 
from USMA87. Thank you for the question. Said, I could see Sam Hartman fall into the Jordan Addison trap. The extra year with a different team didn't really change my draft stock. Well, for me, Ryan, I don't I don't think that's necessarily the primary reason Sam Hartman came to Notre Dame. I think it's a reason. I'm not going to deny it. He's talked about it being a reason. But, I mean, look, Jordan Addison, I mean, that's the, basically the only reason he went to USC last year was that and NIL money. Yes. Sam Hartman's is is not just it's a I mean again part of it is but he, he he said it and I believe it it's what we heard right early on is there were teams that offered him pretty good NIL deals when he went to the portal and and offered him a lot more than what Notre Dame offered him so wh- why is he coming because Notre Dame offers him a chance to go win a championship and I think Sam Hartman understands that my college legacy is is really what my focus needs to be on because I don't know yeah. what the NFL you know I I'm not going to grow three inches this offseason I'm my arm's not going to get stronger I kind of am who I am. I'm literally 18th all time in passing, not or 19th all time in passing yards, 18th all time in passing touchdowns. What could I possibly prove that Notre Dame is going to make me a first round draft pick? Yeah. Do I think he can improve his draft stock? Sure, I do. The difference between Sam Hartman and Jordan Addison also is Jordan Addison had nowhere to go but down, in my opinion, when it came to his draft stock. Ryan, I, I, I mean, he had a phenomenal year statistically. I don't, I don't know if there was anywhere for him to go up because again, he is who he is athletically. That wasn't going to change. Yeah. And then you go to USC and you're splitting, you know, you're splitting touches and targets. He doesn't sniff a thousand yards. He's there was yeah, nowhere to go up. for him to but be down, in my opinion. Sam Hartman has really nowhere to go but up, yeah. in my view, at Notre Dame. Well, so that's the other reason I don't agree with it. I also think that we need to separate the like great college player with draft for a second because it's very possible that Sam Hartman has a tremendous year at Notre Dame. And his draft stock doesn't improve that much because right. they're like, but he's still six foot one. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Correct. there's just going to be some archaic. Right. Yeah. There's just going to be some archaic scouts that just look at him and just like, but he didn't like, he's just, he is still what he is, what you just said. Right. But that doesn't mean he can't throw over 35 touchdowns this year for Notre Dame and lead him to a national championship. Like yeah. his legacy will still be left. It doesn't, again, like just separating the draft talk from the college career talk. Right. Sam Hartman could still have a tremendous impact and still not improve his draft stock per and se. For but he, him, he's still well, though, I think. And for Sam, that would be considered a win because, again, it's not. this isn't the only reason he's coming to Notre Dame is to improve his draft stock. There's a lot more to it than that. And I think that's why it's also a different situation than, than the Jordan Addison situation. Yep. From John A1. What's up, John? Said since Jeremiah Wusakuramoa has Notre Dame developed the rover position properly, it feels like a lot of guys Notre Dame has brought in as potential rovers outgrow it quickly and end up at weak side linebacker or Mike linebacker, Maris Loyfow, Nolan Ziegler, Prince Kali as some examples. Well, you know, first of all, Ryan, John A1 had a really good uh, topic starter late last night on the board that I engaged in a little bit. I haven't checked back in on it today, but it was basically in 1997. Who wins a playoff? And there's a lot of discussions because it would have been it would have been number one Michigan against number four Tennessee with Peyton Manning and Jamal Lewis, yeah. yep. and then number two Nebraska against number three Florida State. So we had a really fun discussion about that yesterday, Ryan. And and I said I still think Michigan wins because that Michigan defense in 20, 1997 was it, tremendous. It was the John had, Woodson? J- yes, and all that. Yes. Yeah. I mean yeah. they had seven games where they gave up single digits that year and then there was only one game all year they gave up more than 16 points and that was to i think iowa they gave up like 24 something like that 
and that was a really, really salty Michigan defense. And John was like, hey, you know, that, that Ohio State, the Florida State team had great receivers. He, Peter Warwick, they had E.G. Green, Lavernius Coles. And I'm like, yeah, they had some dudes, but the baddest dude on the planet that year was still wearing number two for Mesa Blue. You know what I mean? And that was Charles yeah. Woodson. And here's the other thing. You have Thad Busby throwing him the football. That wasn't Charlie Ward, buddy. You know what I mean? But it was a great conversation because you could make a case for Nebraska. You could make a case for, for Florida State. I think you could make a case for Michigan. The one team you could make a case for is Tennessee because that team was soft. Yeah. That 97 10. Now, they, I think the next year, a little different story, obviously. But yeah, they just Martin. were, they were, yeah, yeah, they were bad in the trenches. They were bad on defense. They were just soft, in my opinion. And they just, every time they played a good team, Florida State physically whooped them. And then uh, Florida physically whooped them that year as well. But I still go with Michigan on that one. I, I don't feel great about it because, again, Brian Greasy's, you know, not lighting the world on fire. But they weren't as reliant on Brian Greasy as Florida State was on Thad Busby, in my opinion. But it was a great conversation that John had. So definitely because what I love about John is he'll debate with you, but he brings facts. He brings like, you know, like here's the data. Here's the points. Here's the knowledge to back up why I believe what I believe. So if you're on the board, check it out. It was a really fun discussion. And I know a lot of people are not going to say Michigan because we're Notre Dame fans. We're supposed to hate Michigan, but I'm sorry. That was a really good Michigan team. Wait, so you're saying that we could have conversation? Oh yeah. We do that all the time on the message board. Absolutely, man. That's why it should be on the boards uh, at irishbreakdown.com. But to his question, yes. Have they, have they developed it properly? I, I don't, I don't know that I can say that they've developed improperly. I think a couple things need to we need to remember is Jeremiah Wusukoromoa finished his career in 2020 and the very next year, Notre Dame had a new offensive coordinator in a different system. And their starting rover is, I mean, in 2021, it was, it was Jack Kaiser, right? Wasn't Jack Kaiser the starting yeah. rover in 2021? He's been the starting rover this year. I, I don't know that I would necessarily say that that Prince Collie was a primary rover. I think that was kind of one where he would start his career there and develop it. Maris Lufau just wasn't comfortable in space. I mean, he just he physically couldn't handle that. And 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 Maris moved to Will like back in 2020. I mean, he hardly spent any time at, at Rover. The guy that I thought could have been a rover is Nolan Ziegler. And to your point, he outgrew it pretty quickly. I'm I'm more curious to see kind of what happens with that role with with the combination of Jalen Sneed and Jaden Osbury potentially manning that spot because I I think part of the thing is Ryan is we're gonna or John is we're gonna see an evolution of that position based yeah. on what Notre Dame's schedule looks like now in, in that I think we're gonna start seeing more of a true defensive back there than a linebacker. I. I think also a couple of the examples you put there, John, like I think of like Maris Loifau and Nolan Ziegler specifically, they're very long guys, right? Like they're both yeah. six, two and a half plus six foot three. And they have the length that, you know, that where they can put on that nice weights and be able to transition. You just mentioned a couple guys, right? Brian with like Jalen Sneed is, you know, he has really good length for his position, but he's only about six foot one, you know, so is Jay Nosberry is sub six foot one. So like their body types are probably not as suitable to outgrow that position per se, right? Like they're mm-hmm. probably more going to stay in the 215-ish range, ideally, because you don't want to put – like I don't want Jay Nosberg to be 230 pounds. I don't want him to be 230 pounds. I think that would be very counterproductive to him because I want the athleticism, the explosiveness. Unless he gets there by a senior year. That's the thing is get there in time. You know, Because I've seen him up close, Ryan. I think eventually he can get to 230, mm-hmm. but it's got to take time. I don't want to see yeah. him as a 230 pound sophomore. Nolan yeah. Ziegler has a body where he can get to 230 now. 
Yep. And he still does, he still looks like he could get up to 240 easily. Because of that Jayden, length. Yes. Is, yeah. And just yep. broader. He's an inch and a half taller. Just but yes, if Jaden gets to 230, it needs to happen in time. Because otherwise he's gonna he's gonna be get explosive and powerful, but he's also gonna get really tight. That's what happens, Ryan. You know this. When kids that that are that size put on 20, 25 pounds right now, they get really explosive and they get really strong. And their their hips get really tight, yeah. And they lose that agility and that that direction, that flexibility, that balance that they had as athletes. It's got to happen naturally. It's got to happen in a lot more time. You are correct so, on that. So maybe his would be a more of a Drew Tranquil transition, yes. right? Where it's like, yes. oh, now the body's two twenty five plus. Now let's move inside the will. Agree. If Drew Tranquil would have pumped up that weight on and moved to linebacker as a, as a redshirt freshman or as a sophomore, he would not be the athlete he was by the time he he moved there as a fifth year senior. In my opinion, I really, I really believe that, and we've seen that happen all the time. Most Stovall was never the same after they put on that. Even when he lost weight as a fifth year senior under Charlie, he still wasn't. He was such a completely different looking athlete than he was as a freshman in Notre Dame. Even then, even though he was still really good. He was still his tips were still tighter. He was not nearly as fluid. He was not nearly as fast and explosive as he was as a freshman, because of the weight. Because once you sometimes Ryan, you can get that stuff off and get it back, but you, when you lose it, sometimes for some kids, you, you you just lose it. It's gone, and that's you know that's kind of where it is. Yeah. So all right, let's get into some more of these here, Ryan. These are, we got some really good questions today. All right, this is our this is our resident LSU fan, insured by Big. Appreciate you uh, checking in today, man. And short says, having too many good players in a position is never a problem. Unfortunately, it is always easy to complain about something rather than be positive. Keep up the good work. Con- uh, keep up the good content, IB. Go Tigers. Uh, Ryan, you did that incorrectly. I'm not uh, doing on, it. This, on this show, Yeah. if you say go Tigers, you got to mm-hmm. say it like, like Ed Orgeron. I'm not saying go Tigers. You got to do it, man. Oh, there you, you go, man. It. You got to yeah, do could, it. You so, can do it for me. No, I mean, but but he's. I mean, it can be a problem for players, but it's not a problem for your team. Right. I mean, it, that's the reality of it. It, it, it. it. And if you have a healthy culture, you're not going to lose as many. Like, Alabama does not lose most many players to the portal that they want to keep. They just don't. Why? Because those kids came there with the mantra of this is going to take you time. Right. And and you you embrace that. And and that's something that Nick Saban has done a brilliant job with over his career is is you've kid kids are gonna come there and and they're gonna commit to you based on what you sell to them, and they're gonna expect it to play out that way. And so when you say when you're process oriented and say, Hey, look, we've had kids that sit the bench for two years or play a bunch of special teams, and then they're one year starters and they're bam, they're in the first round, right? How many times have you seen that with Alabama kids? Their day one, you know, first to second round picks after being starters for one year happens yeah. all the time. Well, that's Always. your selling point at Bama. And so when kids aren't playing right away, they're they understand it. At other places, I'm like, I'm not sitting here, you know. But then it's also partly you got to, you know, you, what what are you selling them to convince them to come? That's the other part of it too. But yeah, it's a good. It's not even a problem. It's a good thing. Like LSU is an example. It's not a problem that they got a kid like Nussmeyer as your backup quarterback. That's not a problem. It may cause fans to have discussions of, oh, I like, I'm on team Nussmeyer. I'm on team Jaden. Whatever. It's team LSU. If you're good no matter who starts, same thing with Notre Dame. Whoever wins the starting quarterback job, I'm confident that Notre Dame's going to have a 
an excellent quarterback play this year. Yeah. Confident in that. Whereas I don't have that same level of confidence with Georgia right now because I'm not as sold on Carson Beck or Brock Vandergriff or I'm I'm always forget the other kid's name Gunner Stockton. Stockton. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm they got to show more to me. Where with Notre Dame, you at least you've seen. Hey, I've seen Tyler Buckner start a big couple big games. I've seen him against Ohio State when he wasn't as good, and I saw him in South Carolina when he was better. We know what Sam Hartman brings to the table, and so I think that's kind of. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a very very good problem to have. Very I, I good need problem to, to have. I, I need to watch the Georgia spring game. I, I saw someone tell me that Carson Beck looked fantastic, but I, I don't know if he looked fantastic. He looked good. He did. So he had some yeah. nice throws. He had a. Um, I didn't watch all. I mean, he didn't make a ton of great throws. He made some good throws. He made a really nice wheel route throw to to Brock Bowers. Just dropped it over the edge. It was like a delay wheel. Nice. Probably threw it like thirty yards down the field. Just dropped it in nice. He's a good. I mean, he he's not a whole lot different than Stetson Bennett, honestly. He just does doesn't have the experience. He's he's been in the system for a long time by experience. I mean, he hasn't played a ton of ball games. Sure, but you know he'll 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 be he'll be solid. But is he gonna you know is he is the supporting cast around him gonna be as strong? That's the difference. Yeah, and that's what I think is a is, is a question mark. But I don't know if he's gonna be a guy that can put. And the reason that matters, Ryan, is because he may have to put his team on his shoulders a little bit more than in the, than Stetson Bennett had to. And Stetson Bennett still had to do that last year. If he doesn't go Superman at the end of the, the game against Missouri, they got, they catch an L that game, yeah. right? Him and a couple other guys. And, and, you know, that's, it's a big part of it. From Ben Tarnowski, Ben, thank you for the question. Any potential transfer targets to replace Caleb Smith, or are they going with who's in the room now? I, I don't think that they need to go to the portal to replace Caleb Smith. I really don't. I think that they're going to get another Caleb Smith this summer to kind of I was gonna replace say, Caleb that Smith's number. Going to replace Caleb Smith. Yeah. yeah. And, and look, even if Lorenzo Styles leaves, I did a show about that that about this over the weekend. If you didn't get a chance to check it out, do that. It's on the Irish Breakdown YouTube channel and on the podcast app. But it was the the one where I talked about him retiring and and all that. And what does that mean for Notre Dame? And the point that I made, Ryan, is even with him retiring. And even if you even if you didn't move Lorenzo Styles to receiver, I mean, excuse me, cornerback, you still have Deion Colsey and Jaden Thomas. You still have Matt Salerno as the veterans. And and you know, it's funny because we've talked about this. I'm good with Matt Salerno being my fifth or sixth receiver. I'm I'm fine with that. I can live with that. I, I think he's gonna have a tough time being that guy this year. And and he hasn't been that guy in spring ball. But I was watching the South Carolina game last night. Remember that Logan Dix touchdown? Do you remember the block Matt Salerno made on that play? It was a good block. It was, really it was good a block, great yeah. block. Yeah, you know, Matt Salerno can help you win football games. It's just Notre Dame asked things of him last year that they should not have asked of him. Yes. And that was a Notre Dame problem, not a Matt Salerno problem. You know, But you've got to Dion, you've got Jaden, you've got Matt Salerno, you've got Tobias. I'm just going by class. Was, yep. Matt Salerno should have been at the top of that. So that's their four. Then you got Chris Tyree has moved to receiver. So that gives you five veteran returners. And then you've got four. You got nine receivers. There was times last year when Notre Dame had like five healthy receivers that last year. And and the other thing to consider too that that we have to remember as fans is it's not always about replacing a receiver with a receiver. If you go down a receiver, sometimes it's like well more twelve personnel, more twenty one personnel, more twenty personnel. Yeah. Things along those lines. And so Notre Dame is in a position where they have, with the depth they have at running back, once everybody gets off the injured list, with the depth they have at tight end, same situation. They're going to have plenty of numbers. They're going to end up having, so see, 9, 14. So where are they at tight end? They've got Mitchell Evans, Holden Stace, Eli Raritan, Davis Sherwood, 
Kevin Bauman and, and uh, Cooper, Cooper Flanagan. So you got yeah. six, you got 15 receivers plus tight ends without counting Lorenzo Styles. Yeah. And then you've got five, six running backs, right? So you've got Logan, no, five running backs. You got Logan, Audric, Jabron Payne, Jadarian Price, Jeremiah Love. Yeah. Like to me, there's things I'm going to do with Jeremiah Love out of the backfield that I would rather do than at, with out of 21 personnel or 20 personnel that I'd rather see than them going to the portal and get some kid. Right. That, I just, I just would, whatever. Now, if, if some Ivy League kid wants to come and, and battle for a spot, oh, but if he doesn't get yeah. it and he's going to be fine and be cool. Okay. Look at that guy. I'm cool with that. I drew but, a straw at Baylor. For yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's kid. exactly yeah. the kid I had in mind too, Ryan, the kid from Dartmouth. Yeah. Then I'm good with that, but I don't think it's a need right now. I think you've got the guys where you, you, you need, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I really do. And here's the other part. Matt Salerno is the only guy that runs out of eligibility after this year. That's it. And the odds of Chris Tyree staying for a fifth year have been greatly ex- you know, risen with this move because now he may need two years to kind of get comfortable. I mean, to get fully to show himself in that position. And then of course you've got Cam Williams already committed. You're going to, you know, looking for two more guys. So you're going to be really healthy come 2024 from a number standpoint. So I, I, th- um, I think it's, it's pretty big that the 2023 wide receivers, the three early enrollees, Rico Flores, Braylon James and Jane Greenhouse. It's good. It's very good that you've been hearing positive remarks about all three in different capacities, right? So, because, I mean, a couple of those guys might need to play a little bit, right? And, I mean, at least serve as depth in the 2023 season. I think that they have shown that they're capable of doing that, which is great. I think it's tremendous. So, if if those three weren't on campus and I was a little short in numbers, then I would be like, all right, you know, reinforcements are coming, but I haven't seen them at all, right? Like, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I think it's very positive and helps out, you know, your feeling of adding numbers, the fact that you do have three freshmen in there that have all had positive springs from everything that we've heard. Yeah, they ha- they really have. They've all had some really good moments. There's no doubt about it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Paulie B, 27. Paulie says, in what scenario would you see Kenny Minchie play this year, if at all? Would it be him getting any reps in blowout games or Tyler Buckner taking the reps? So, Ryan, if if Kenny Minchie proves that he's ahead of Steve Angeli, I would absolutely want to see him play two to three games this year. Now, I want to see Tyler Buckner be the guy off the bench and playing in the second higher or second half, I should say. Uh, and so I, I want to see 
Tyler get those snaps. But if I'm getting in the fourth quarter, even if it's just a handoff, I mean, it's my number three quarterback. I would like Kenny Minchie to be able to get into the game this year and play. It's especially true if you get later in the season and Tyler has, you know, you maybe you've only played him in like one. He played against Tennessee State. You use three quarterbacks against Tennessee State. Maybe he played against Central Michigan. And there's a game in November. And let's say Tyler Buckner has a role besides just the backup quarterback. Let's say Tyler is actually getting, you know, a red zone role or something like that. So Tyler's played some snaps. And Tyler started games. And and let's just say you're, you, you happen to have a, a pit game like we saw in 2020. Or just for whatever reason, it all breaks your way. And you're just really whooping pit pretty good. Let's say you're doing that against Stanford late in the end of the year. And you want to get him in as the second quarterback. And you've explained it to Tyler, hey, if we get a shot and we're really blowing a team out, I just want to get Kenny some 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 reps just to get him some work. Then I'm good with that too, because I, I think because because here's the deal: next year in 2024, Kenny Minchie's battling to be your number two quarterback. Yep. And you now you're back to where if Tyler comes back in 2024, you're in a situation now, Ryan, where you're going to have the same concern about Tyler that led to them bringing in Sam in the first place, which is the injury history. You got to make sure that kid's ready to play. It, it, so, any chance you get to get him a couple games of just being out on the field, taking a handoff, making a throw, sure, it helps him. It helps him. So that would be the scenario, Paulie B. And of course, if there's an injury to one of the top two guys, and and Kenny's you know has beaten out Steve Angeli, then you definitely want to get him on the field. There's no doubt about that. So, those are scenarios. And and you know if Tyler Buckner were to leave after the spring, then that obviously enhances it. But I hope that that. I hope that that's not the case. I, I yeah. really don't. I, I just hope if that is the the thought process of trying to get him some work or at least getting the third quarterback some work, whether that is Angeli or Minchie, that the games that you think are going to be those games where you do have that opportunity actually become that. I felt like last year, Brian, like a couple of those games, we were like, that's a game where you can get the third quarterback some work. Like Marshall, for instance, it mm-hmm. doesn't work out that way. Or UNLV yeah. was another one where you're just like, right. I would love to get Steve some work here, but UNLV's hanging around too much, man. Like, right. you can't take him out yet. Like, right. let those – I mean, Tennessee State is the one, right, where I look at it I'm just like, if you don't have a, a the third quarterback playing at least a drive or something at the end of the football game, it probably was not your game, man. It probably was not. So, from John A1. Says, a two-parter I have, here from John A1. Yes, gotcha. From John, I have a thought that the only three quarterbacks in the country that could transfer to Notre Dame and have been named the starter at this point, Drake Bay, Caleb Williams, and Michael Penix, all others would have to be in A, uh, would at least be battled deep into fall camp. Do you agree or disagree? I disagree because that number is only two. Yeah, I, th- I think Penix would be in a, in a yes. battle as well. He would have to prove himself because Penix has shown that he can thrive in a very specific offense. Yes. And I don't know if, if Notre Dame would run that specific of an offense. I think Drake May and Caleb Williams are the only two, in my opinion, that would have come into Notre Dame and been like, yeah, that's the guy. I mean, yep. Caleb Williams is a no-brainer. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, it's a no-brainer. Drake May probably is a no-brainer as well. But like a lot of the other quarterbacks that I like that I would have loved to see Notre Dame take a look at, I mean, Ryan, you know a guy that I'm very high on, Tyler Van Dyke. He'd have to beat out Tyler Buckner, and it would not be easy. And I think, especially with the way he played last year, he'd have a lot more to prove in spring ball than Sam Hartman does. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, you know, the kid from Tulane that everybody talked about, he'd have a lot to prove. And I I don't even know if he could beat out Tyler Buckner. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if Michael Pratt comes in their name and could beat out Tyler Buckner. I'm sorry. I don't. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not as high on him as other people. I, I don't know that he would, 
to be completely honest. I don't think he'd be able to outplay Tyler every day in practice. I'm Again, I'm very high on Tyler Buckner. So, yeah, I think a lot of quarterbacks would have had a harder time beating out Tyler Buckner. And that was something that was an issue from what I was told is these quarterbacks were not were, – were told, yeah, I mean, we're bringing in you here for a reason, right? Let's be honest about that. But this kid's just not getting pushed off to the side. You're going to have to beat this kid out. Right. And some people were like, pass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even though, like I said, Sam was the guy that they ultimately decided was the, was the ideal fit. But from what I'm told, for Sam, it wasn't an issue. It wasn't an – okay, fine, whatever. Yeah, I'll, I, I, I'll battle. Yeah. I also think Michael Penix is a guy where there's just been a lot of uneven play during his career too, where you're just like, I mean, his look at the year he had at Indiana. I know Indiana was a dumpster fire. So like, I'm not saying that like, wow, how would you so bad in Indiana? Like, that's not what I'm saying. But the year before he had more interceptions than touchdowns the year before Washington. Mm-hmm. Right. So like there's been uneven play. He's had injuries in the past. Like there, there would be a lot to prove for Michael Penix if he came to yeah. the game. It wouldn't be like a foregone, Agreed. like, you're the starter, no matter what type of scenario. I, I don't. Yeah, know he's not like Hendon Hooker, where when healthy, I always liked Hendon Hooker. I mean, I just Same. Ryan, you, 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 I'm talking going back to Virginia Tech. Yep. Uh, and, and again, I, I know you did too, because I remember us talking about that when he transferred to Tennessee. Penix yes. has, has had some really good film, some really bad film. Yes. That's the that's the difference, you know. With Hooker, it was like get him in the right system and get keep him healthy, and he's going to be really good. With Penix, it was like which version are you going to get at Washington this year? And fortunately for Kalen DeBoer, who is one of the most underrated and underappreciated offensive minds in all of college football with what he's done at Indiana and and obviously what he's done at Washington and what he did at Fresno, that guy does not get nearly enough credit for being a phenomenal offensive mind. But it just worked. That works for Michael. And Michael knows how to run that offense. And I hope he stays healthy because he's fun to watch. He really is. And and the story's great, right? I mean – I, I love that as well. So I really hope he's able to stay healthy this year because I mean, Washington's going to make some noise this year. They are. They're going to make yep. some noise this year if everybody can stay healthy. That's going to be a fun, a fun team to watch. And he's a lefty, so I wouldn't want him at Notre Dame either. So just uh, <laughs> you better shut your mouth because you're going to have to be talking to Deuce Knight here again here this week. See how things are going with him. Love right, you, here Deuce. we got one. Yeah, got one from Archer four five two. Here we go. Archer says, when the college football playoff expands to 12 teams and conferences scrap divisions to get their two best teams in the conference title game, how long will it take for the same team to play three times in a season? Excuse me. A year? I mean, a year? A year or two? First two years, it's going to happen. First two years, you're going to have two SEC teams play each other in the re- in the regular season, the conference championship game, and then again in the postseason. It's going to happen yeah. quickly. It's going to happen, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, literally, like I think of like two years ago when Alabama and Georgia faced off twice in that season. Right. It's like, yeah, they're going to be in the playoff and we're going to play again. It's going to I can see it happening with Michigan and Ohio State as well. I could, you know, because they're always going to play in the regular season because the one exception would be like uh, it wouldn't be Alabama and Georgia because they play each other so infrequently in the regular season. But like. I could see if Brian Kelly does at LSU what LSU fans think Brian Kelly's going to do. I could see a scenario with you know, Alabama and LSU are always going to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're going to play again in the SEC title game. And then they're going to play again in the second round of the playoff when, you know, the team that loses the SEC title game has to doesn't get a bye. And, yeah. and, you know, and then they're seated wherever, where they either play in the second round or the semifinals, the quarters or the semis. Yeah, it's going to happen quickly. Either And it's going to be a Big Ten team. It's going to be either the Big Ten or the SEC. Is where it's going to happen. 
in my opinion. So might happen the first year. Might happen. Very well could. (laughs) Yeah, very well could. Very well could. Because they're going to load up on SEC teams in that in that scenario and Big Ten teams in that scenario too, which I don't love, but that's just what I think they're going to do because it's all about this. All right, here we go. From Father David Penny, maybe this is crazy, but any chance the media saw two blitz heavy practices because Notre Dame wants people to think the offense is a struggle? People believe it anyway. Use it to your advantage. No, because I don't think Notre Dame has thought that their offense has struggled. You could see the way that the coaches react when that question gets answered. They're like, mm, um, "I didn't really, I didn't really think that that was what was going on." But uh, <laughs> here's what I th- I think. So no, I. I don't think I mean because from what I've heard, uh, Father, it's it's been happening every. I mean that's just what the defense does all the time. They're just yeah. Now what is that, Ryan? Are they are they just transitioning to be like you know Brent Venables on steroids, or is it more <laughs> of a hey we want blitzing to be a very important part of our package. We're not going to blitz with the volume in the fall that we're blitzing with now, but I want to spend this time to really just get great at it. Totally fine mm-hmm. with that. Totally fine with that. If, if that's the, I, I that. if if that's that's the identity, reason. I hope it's Brett Venables and not Alex Grinch is all I have to say about that. And, so. and that's kind of my thing is like right now it's looking like it's Brent Venables on steroids. But again, it's the spring. It could be like, hey, I don't want to spend all fall camp doing the reps to get really good at blitzing. Let's sure. do it now. And then when we get into the fall, it's now we're mixing it in with what our base stuff is going to be. Here's what our packages are. Our timing's great. We figured out who's good at it. Hey, all of a sudden we realize, you know, Jack Kaiser's a pretty good flipping blitzer, right? And and Jalen Sneed's a pretty good flipping blitzer. Nolan Ziegler's okay. This is what our nickel package is going to be, and they're using this time to build that package so that way when they turn to it in the fall, it's working for them. Because the problem last year, they blitzed a lot more than people think. Last year, it just didn't look like a blitz because they, they weren't were, getting home. They were bad at it. Yeah, they were bad they blitz team at last it. year. And yeah. so now they're using that time to say, hey, let's get good at this. Really figure out who we've what we've got, and then when we get in the fall, we'll mix it in properly. That's my hope is that yeah. they're doing. And if that's what they're doing, Ryan, I have zero problem with with them being really blitz heavy in the in the spring. My fear is that it, they're being blitz heavy because they just that's what they want to do, and that's not where I want to be. And so, and somebody asked, well, isn't it good to be that way if you have great corners? No, because you can get away with it more. But great corners are still going to have bad reps. Sure. Now, if you're doing this heavy blitz time, someone's going to catch you on that. And if Benjamin Morrison slips out of the snap or Cam Hart has a slight overstep, and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're tucked torched and there's nobody to help the corners. That's not where you want to be what? for 40 snaps a game, in my opinion. When I, when I was a defensive coordinator, I blitzed a lot more out of desperation than because I wanted to, if that makes sense. Like, it'd be like, oh, man, we suck right now. <laughs> like, we got to blitz mm-hmm. and try to break something up here, man. We got to figure something out. It's it's funny, but, like, I, I think that there are definitely some defensive coordinators that are blitz-heavy schemes, right? Like, there are definitely guys that believe in it. But I think more defensive coordinators are not, and I think some people will, like, find this surprising, is I think a lot more defensive coordinators – than not would rather not blitz a lot. They would yeah. rather be just sound and aggressive and not have to blitz. Cause a lot of times blitzing is out of desperation. It is like a last right. resort, like, Oh snap, son. Like we're, we have, I have no answers right now. Right. Like uh, double dog. Here we go. Like, let's yeah. get it out of the way. I mean, that's kind of where it comes from sometimes. Yeah. Right. I got a couple, uh, got a couple super chats here. We have one from Nathan yes. Hill that I'll go ahead and read since it's going to be for you. But Nathan Hill asks, uh, thank you for the super chat, Nathan. 
Nathan asks, Ryan, where do you think that Georgia defensive lineman Jalen Carter ends up in the draft? It's a fascinating question because, you know, there's still some conversation points about, you know, is he going to drop? How far is he going to drop? I ultimately, Nathan, I still don't think he's going to get out of the top 10. I don't think he's in play to be the first defender off the board anymore like he once was. I think that's going to be Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson at this point. Like I think that that's ultimately who's going to be the first defender off the board. I will. I still think, though, that Jalen Carter is going to go in the top 10. I think number 10, Philadelphia Eagles, is the floor for Jalen. I think he doesn't get – number 10 is where, it, where the slide would stop. I think Chicago at nine would be a team that would make a lot of sense. I think the Atlanta Falcons at eight is another team that could make some sense. I think the Las Vegas Raiders at seven would also be a team that makes some sense. Detroit Lions at six. So that's six from ten. I think that one of those teams is going to pull the trigger. I still don't think he gets out of the top ten. I think the Philadelphia Eagles would be the floor at ten. It's going to be really interesting. Really yeah. interesting to see because, like, it, it could be Ryan, everything you said makes sense, but we mm-hmm. could get into the Warren Sap type of thing where just the rumors start going and everybody just kind of I don't want to be the team that drafts this kid and then he ends up, you know what I mean? And I think another thing that might hurt him is, and it's not fair, but when certain things happen from certain schools, people look at that and say, do I really want to get into that? And you look at some of the things that have happened at Georgia over the years with some of their players, you look at the Anderson kid the year before, but then also you look at the Isaiah Wilson kid who gets drafted in the first round and just flakes yeah. out completely. So, you know, now I don't think that's fair because every kid is different, right? Sure. And everybody's got their guys like that. You know I mean? Notre Dame can talk about how, how great all their kids are. And then you say, but yeah, can I, do you want to talk about Prince Jimbo? Do you want to talk about Sierra <laughs> Wood? Right. Like no one's above that. But when you see a pattern of it where it's like happening more and more and more unfairly, you start kind of some team, some and the NFL has done this. They start using that as sort of a uh, no, I I don't want to take a chance on a kid like that. I just think it's like the Ohio State quarterback thing as well. Like it's just the stigmas or the stereotypes that come with it. I get it. Yep. Right. So we'll see. We'll see if that ends up happening. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.